It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Welcome to Episode 5 of our second series of the CORE 2020 Podcasts. For this episode, we're going to talk about the CORE 2020 Audit Handbook. This can be found uh, to download on the CORE 2020 subpage of ihsa.ca. You're going to want to check this document on our website every time you're preparing for an audit to ensure that you have the most current version. Most of the key features in the document, just like some of the other resources we've talked about, are going to stay the same from, from edition to edition, but some of the details may get updated as we do, you know, subscribe to our own continual improvement plans uh, for, the, for the core standard and um, within the core 2020 program. So your submission is going to be held to the, the expectations that were active at the time that you're, you know, starting your audit. So definitely access the documents fresh uh, each time from the website. So with that, I, I, you know, I've, I've got a f- somewhat familiar guest uh, in with us here today. I've got Peter Smith back. If you've been listening, you've, you've heard his, his voice a few times. Peter, could you uh, describe your role? Sure. Uh, Peter Smith, one of the lead auditors with the CORE program. And my, my main role is overseeing the uh, network of third-party auditors that we use, the associate auditors who perform the third-party audits for us. Awesome. My name's Marn. I'm a CORE consultant, um, and my major... Uh, touch point, I guess, for firms getting certified is through the internal audit review and providing detailed results. Pete, did you want to say anything else about yourself? I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm excited about this topic. Okay. I, I, I like the handbook. I was ready to get jump in about uh, some info about the handbook. Fair enough. I'm sure everyone listening feels exactly the same. So when we look at the handbook, the um, it, it really is broken down into two parts. And part A, the first half of this is the um, it's the old instructions for completing core. Now, as, as we updated things moving from core to core 2020, we wanted to reduce some of the redundancies uh, within the audit tool, but we wanted to do that with some of our additional documents as well. So it's the, we, we took the opportunity to take that information that was captured in the old instructions for completing core, and we've worked that into the handbook. So that's really the, the start of this, right? It's um, uh, watch somewhat the audit process but it gets into the how to complete an audit tool, right? Gets into scoring, gets into the auditor notes and on from there. Um, differs from the guidelines. Guidelines is more the overall who has general rules and responsibilities. It, and it explains more of the timelines and just that a real high level overview of core itself, where the handbook is getting into those uh, specifics on how to uh, complete tasks that you're required to. Excellent. And I guess from that standpoint, it's really critical for an internal auditor and, you know, the, the core senior manager to know every requirement that we're going to see in the handbook, because there are um, some expectations administratively when you're submitting an internal audit um, and the deviation from those requirements for submission, they might get in the way of a successful pre-assessment or impact your scoring down, down the line in a way that, you know, could be avoidable in terms of accessing that handbook. Absolutely. It's the, it's pretty clear instructions on what it, what has to be done. And there are a lot of instructions. It's, it's yeah. not a uh, short document. There are a lot of requirements, but that's why you have the training programs to support this as well. And um, it really does smooth out that audit process. Cause it, when we see things that don't have an auditor note, we move ahead and we score that question zero. And it's unfortunate because then we can't get into that conversation with the organization about the content of their management system or how they can improve that over time. So it's it's really making sure we can create that uh, that forum or give us the chance to be able to really get into your management system and have that conversation. But, Absolutely. Uh, 
some examples of problems that we see are uh, missing or vague notes, right? You're, you're telling us a story. You're saying, you know, this is where you're going to find the evidence within the submission. And this is what that submit, this is what that evidence is going to describe to you. Uh, notes that don't answer the audit question, right? Are they pertinent and relevant to the actual question that's, be, that's being uh, looked at there? On that note, what I find happens, and I'm so guilty of this too, back from my own internal auditing days, is sometimes you look at a question just in the bulk of questions in the audit tool and keywords jump out at you. Mm -hmm. And you read the keywords and you jump to a conclusion what the question around that keyword is, and that's how you answer the wrong question. So it's well-intentioned, but you, you, know, you clue in on the word roles and responsibilities, and you miss the fact that the question was actually asking for training. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so just watching that kind of keyword. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there's questions like that that I can see might be traps in uh, Core 2020. And one that jumps out at me is uh, 4.2C. And okay. it's just, it's a... Uh, procedure requirement, but it, it just, th there's a lot of information there. Just be careful to read all the information, right? And awesome. yeah. don't be afraid to take breaks while you're doing your audit. It's uh, sometimes you get that audit fatigue when you're going through things and, you know, get up, step away from it. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're busy with work with uh, other things that can be, uh, uh, need to get completed as well. Maybe step off and take care of one of those things and then come back to it. And, you know, it, when you're fresh and have that fresh set of eyes, you're, you're going to be able to capture all those, uh, uh, the nuances you'll see in the audit tool. That's a good point. Um, so some of the other uh, issues we see are uh, referencing that is not specific or unclear. You're really creating a, a pinpoint exercise for the uh, IHSA reviewer. They, they are, they're going to follow your auditor notes and the auditor notes are going to say, go look here for the evidence. And then they're going to look, open up that page or go to that evidence folder. And it should be very specific what questions being answered. Um, incorrect scoring uh, for all or nothing questions. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, there are questions. They don't have a shaded background. These are ones where you're either going to get a zero or the full possible score, right? And, and we can appreciate that there is, uh, you know, uh, some nuance, uh, different levels of implementation you might have within your organization, but you're either going to give yourself the full score or give, you, uh, give yourself a zero. And that would be, and I know the training courses cover this to some extent, but that decision's made by sort of the weight of the majority in that sense, right? Are you, are you most of the way to yes versus not, I would assume? Absolutely. And, and, and it's, uh, that's what we're looking at, right? Again, continual improvement. And uh, you're going to hear me come back to that term uh, several times. But it's, you can recognize and give yourself credit for that, uh, getting yourself most of the way there. But then it's understanding also that there's, uh, you could be adding this to a corrective action plan as well, because you do have way, uh, a way to improve this in the future. That does bring up a good point. So it's okay to have things that you score positively, especially in an all or nothing case, where you're still noting continual improvement for yourself. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you'll find this, the, the associate auditors are pretty good about that as well, where they will say, you know, you're, they'll recognize you're part of the way there and they'll give you an opportunity for improvement in your audit report. As core consultants, we, uh, we do that too, actually. Same, same process at the internal review. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Right. You, you want to recognize what's been done well and then, uh, but provide that encouragement to move forward and keep, uh, keep getting better there as well. Awesome. Observations. Now, when you're performing your observations for your, your audit, they've got to include your head office and shop. So we do have a, a, a ratio. We, we do have a chart that has a ratio for you've got this many workplaces, this is how many have to be visited. And we're, we're always looking for a sampling. It's not every workplace, but uh, we're looking for a sampling there. But it's always assumed that your 
office, shop, yard, these things are always going to be assumed to be part of the audit scope, right? So make sure you're visiting those, make sure you're including evidence of the of those uh, site visits within your uh, audit submission. And uh, in addition to the other workplaces that you visited as well. Now, you, you might run into an odd case, uh, a special case where uh, site ratio, site visit ratios or interview ratios don't exactly fit with your organization. Uh, contact IHSA. Uh, reach out to us at core.ihsa.ca and we'll be able to uh, help you in, in the right direction to make sure you've got an adequate audit scope or that you're doing the uh, adequate number of interviews and that they're representative of your organization. How uncommon are special cases? I, I, they, For us, they, I would say that they one to a week we typically deal with. Yeah. So it, it's really, yeah, they, they're they're not that odd. They do come up quite often. This isn't like a once or twice a year thing. It's a couple times a week. So it's, uh, you know, like we've got a, uh, we've got a guideline that covers most scenarios, doesn't cover every scenario. And, uh, you know, we're not going to, you're not going to change the organization just to fit into our cookie cutter. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't want that. Yeah, absolutely not. So we're going to make, we're going to make sure that we work with you to be able to determine how to adequately audit you. So with the common uncommon scenario of special cases, what are some of the examples of things people might be needing to reach out to us for that come up? Uh, Well, first off is right in the site visit ratio table, uh, any organization that has 30 plus workplaces, Mm -hmm. they're they're guided to reach out to us. Right. And this is where we're going to uh, get together with the organization and determine an adequate audit scope to make sure that they cover... Uh, that they see sufficient work and different workplaces to uh, to cover the audit scope. Um, I, I find this with some engineering firms where it's more based in uh, head offices versus um, actual work locations or work projects that they go to as well. Right. So what would be the proper sampling in a case like that? Um, service companies. For sure. Right. Yeah. So you've got uh, plumbing companies or HVAC companies. They have a service division. And how do we audit that? Because they, there's not necessarily a workplace. You, you have these service uh, technicians and they could be on multiple workplaces in a day. And to be perfectly honest, what we do is we, we get a total number of crews or individuals that they have out on a daily basis performing uh, uh, those maintenance uh, or, and service work. And we replace that word workplace in the, the table with crew or uh, in and uh, just treat it that way, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's not it's not hard, but it's just something we, we want to make sure we're working with and, uh, and make official, right? for sure, because it, it makes it so much easier when you're submitting your internal audit then, because you've got our core consultants and who look at this and um, it, it, when they see that email, they see uh, that you've got that paper trail that you can share with them afterwards that says uh, this was approved by IHSA and this is the reasoning for it, and you know, it it just makes everything smoother afterwards. It's definitely the first thing we look for if we see you know a ratio that's represented that seems different than what we expect. We look for that email communication with one of the lead auditors to see if if there's some reasoning that we can understand, and it makes it so much easier to review the audit with that in place. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So another common question we get is for interview ratios. Okay. Yeah. And to give an example here, we've got a lot of construction management firms that are challenging core and they don't necessarily have workers. They don't have laborers on the site, but they've, they've got uh, supervisors and project managers. And, um, you know, the the common question is, well, we don't have workers. How do we do those, uh, worker interviews? And, what we typically do is we look at that total number for the, the interview ratio and we say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to expect that you conduct that many interviews, but gear it towards and use all management questions or 
um, make sure we hit a proper ratio there. So you'd look at what the total of management plus workers would have been. Um, you know, if it was three plus seven is 10, then you're going to move that over and say 10 sort of management type interviews. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, great way to explain it. And it's the, we want to make sure that you're using the appropriate question for the individual. Has right? to make sense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah they're, they're not gonna, They've got a different role as a supervisor on a pro on a project versus a worker. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds good. Again, we don't want firms trying to fit into our mold. We want our mold to fit the firms. <laughs> so. yeah. Well put. Well put. Um, so let's talk submitting. Uh, the first thing I want to say, as someone who does a lot of pre-assessments and, and core, core reviews, um, make sure it's passed before it comes to us. Um, just look for the double checks throughout the, the tool. With Core 2020, there's a bunch of double check features that I like that have been added in. Uh, if you look at the audit info form, if you look at the end of each sub-element or element, there's, there's totals and there's these beautiful little Xs that turn into check marks when, when things work. Or, or there's little flags in the individual sections that tells you if you haven't um, marked yourself as a pass in some way. And it, it kind of tells you about any issues. So look for those little double check features and just make sure that you, you've you cleared them out, if at all possible. And if there's a reason that one of them's staying there, that's going to be a reason to provide extra clarification around that as well for your core consultant. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, a, you know, a, you double check it, triple check it, maybe get a colleague to look at it. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, when, when things, I just say he's going to have this for 60 days. And there, there is a pre-assessment earlier, and uh, hopefully we can get a response back to you sooner. But if it, if we're if we receive an unsuccessful audit, we're going to send it back to the organization. Yeah. And that, that lost amount of time, while it, while it's waiting to be checked by us to see, oh wow, it's unsuccessful. And, you know, it, it's just unfortunate because it is a uh, it's just a lost opportunity or lost time for the nobody's happy with no. that outcome. No, yeah. for sure, for sure. Now we have moved to. Um, yeah, we're, we're catching up with the rest of the world. We've gone electronic. <laughs> we want to receive electronic submissions. And this is um, the the expectation now for internal audits is that you are submitting them to us at core.ca.ca. And you're using some type of uh, online data transfer and uh, lots of different variables with this. Uh, it, whichever one that you're comfortable working with, whichever one your organization is currently using. and uh, A lot of organizations are using something, you know, a, a cloud storage, a file transfer. If you've got something already, use that. There's no need to get something extra. For sure. For sure. And it, it just, you know, it's it just... Uh, Easier for the organization, easier for us. In the past, we dealt with a lot of uh, banker boxes and paper, and uh, yeah. a lot of paper cuts. A lot of paper cuts, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's um, yeah, yeah, it's just an easier way to transfer that uh, that data, and less less chance for uh, error or something, anything to occur to the audit submission afterwards, right? Yeah, right? less risk to... than than physical paper moving around. For sure, for sure. Um, the the other thing we're looking for is a prepayment. So when you're submitting the when you're submitting your internal audit. There, through our website, there is a prompt on there to uh, where you can make your prepayment for the audit review itself. So once the we audits are reviewed in in queue, first come first serve, and they're added to the queue though once we receive the audit as well as the prepayment being made. So once both of those things are done, then we add you to the queue. So you just want to make sure you're on top of that when you are when you are submitting the audit to make sure that that prepayment's been made because we don't it uh, cuts down on the possibility of a lag or losing your spot in the queue when you're actually submitting the audit itself. That's right. We don't we don't typically start the uh, 
the metaphorical clock on the submission with the 60 days until both those components are received. For sure, for sure. Um, so now, in terms of the handbook, there's also the back section, which is which is a little different than the upfront, the instructions piece that we've been talking about. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the back section that has all the tips in it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, well, first off, I'll start by saying it's pretty bare bones. Yeah. <laughs> We're not giving a, a lot of tips. Now, in our previous audit tool, Core, we, we did have a handbook and it had um, uh, information and tips for, uh, for every question. Right. And it's um, core 2020. We wanted to make sure we're focusing on the audit questions and we wanted to focus on the organization procedure and then the implementation of that procedure. So we, we've decided to by by making this more bare bones, we're putting more of the onus uh, and the emphasis on the organization itself to tell us how they're doing things. If I if I can, what it, what we found with the, the tips in the previous version was it became about us as the IHSA. What what do you want to see? because there was a lot of specificity there. We really want it to be about you. We want you as an organization to tell us what we're going to see. And as long as it meets that expectation of the standard, that's going to be better for all of us because you're working within what makes sense for your organization and not trying to fit um, a cookie cutter. Yeah, no, a great way to explain it for sure. That That is, uh, that is what we're looking for. And uh, it's, it was a lot of comments we got back from the industry over years. Right. And it's just, this is how we do things. This doesn't make sense for us if we give you that some something that specific. Right. So it's uh, hopefully a step in the right direction. Yeah, we, we, we do try to change. It doesn't always happen immediately, but we, we've heard we've heard that message and, and we're trying this adjustment. And, and I, for one, am really excited to see already the unique and creative programs that we're getting out of companies. For sure. For sure. So that, that back section, the... Every audit element in Core 2020 now has a specific flow where there is a uh, requirement for a policy statement and you're that, you're giving us a commitment. You're telling us this, we are committed to doing this uh, for that specific element. Uh, and, that, and that's senior management really uh, uh, giving uh, stating their commitment to it. Um, next question is going to be a procedure, right? So you're committed to doing something. Now you're going to say how you're going to do it. The next set of questions are implementation. And this is where you validate that you have actually implemented your procedure. And then we get into a document and record control question. So this is the idea of uh, the implementation of uh, sub-element 1.2, document and record control, and making sure that uh, you're you're applying those principles and, and the requirements that you've developed in that procedure. And you're applying that throughout your health and safety management system. And that works for every element? That works for every element. Nice. So, so it's a, yeah, we, we've tried to make things consistent. We've tried to make uh, uh, create that specific flow, which should make it more, if we're consistent, the hope is that you're going to be consistent with that uh, development and implementation on your end. I love that. Now, with that said, the handbook really touches on uh, evidence tip for the policy, the procedure, and then observation questions. And it, it just guides you to how, to how to fill in the auditor notes and the... Um, uh, and how to provide evidence, whether written in the auditor notes or how to guide us to find the photographs. But it's that's really the focus, right? Because that policy and procedure at each element, um, though we did have elements that were formatted that way in core, uh, we really, really wanted to put the focus on that for core 2020 and the handbook reflects that. Yeah, and, and I think when we were talking earlier in this this episode about the fact that there's all those, those um, expectations 
outlined in the instructions and how you really need to pay attention to all those details to avoid those administrative issues. I think what the tip section does do very nicely is highlights the most common sort of points of confusion in terms of, like you said, it, it points out what you need for observations as a reminder there is one of the things that, that comes in the way. Another one that jumps out to me is that some include a reminder that three samples are required for implementation. This is always required for implementation, but you know, the reminder is, is not a bad thing because you're reiterating some of those commonly missed details. For sure. For sure. It, it's just the, um, Oh, repetition is key. Coming from an organization focused on training, and uh, we found out that's successful over the years. It's just making sure uh, we repeat these things, and uh, we're taking a similar approach with the handbook, right? And reinforcing those uh, key ideas to make sure that you're successful. Beautiful. Um, one of the ones that I think is kind of a newer concept there in the in the tips is that the detailed referencing is required for the procedure. What are we talking about there? Yes. Yeah. Good point. The the. Every procedure question is broken up into multiple clauses okay. and any number of clauses, and they do vary in, uh, in length and, and sets of requirements. Um, you, you've got to be able to walk us through that procedure and show us where you're making those specific statements. Every clause can receive a specific uh, a point. Each one's uh, scored on its own merits. So when we're applying the idea of core and the core requirements, uh, anything that can be scored is going to have a specific uh, is going to be cross-referenced specifically and highlighted specifically. So when you come to those questions, those procedure questions, your auditor notes are going to say, look here. And we're going to flip to that page in your manual and it's going to be uh, page number whatever. And then as we go through it, you're going to have statements highlighted and they're going to cro and be cross-referenced to the audit question and the procedure clause that it's specifically answering. And that's how we're going. Again, it's a pinpoint exercise, so you want to be able to walk us through it. Now, keep in mind, every organization is going to have a different format of their procedures. And we don't expect them to be sequential where you've got clause A, clause B, clause C right from the top and right through. They've got to be... Uh, you're putting your procedure together for you and your organization so it can be implement, understood and implemented properly on that end. So then it, it's taking the time to walk us through it afterwards. And there could be multiple statements peppered throughout the procedure that cover uh, an answer for a specific clause, right? Because the roles and responsibilities might be in one spot, but then the actual doable might be further down in the uh, procedure. So however you've got it formatted, keep in mind you're walking you're walking someone through it who is unfamiliar with your organization and that procedure itself. It's like training us to access your, your procedure in terms of the, the standard. Absolutely, yeah. Treat it like an orientation. That's right. <laughs> um, the other one that I know comes up a lot, you mentioned it already, was the idea of observation notes. We will, you know, always like to emphasize that more detailed notes are preferred for the observations. You know, you do want to represent that observation ratio if you can. You know, we talked up front about... Um, getting those observation ratios figured out and um, just making sure that you're also then representing that in the results that you give us. Um, I think we talked about the fact that the handbook uh, tips section, it doesn't really spell it all out if I'm not if I'm not off base here, Pete. Um, does it it doesn't tell an auditor what and how to do the audit. Absolutely. And, and that was uh, decidedly, it was done on purpose, right? We wanted to make sure we stayed away from that, right? We want to make sure that the, it's the organization that's driving what's happening here, right? The details are up to you and, and you want to make sure you're telling us your story 
So it's uh, that that's one of the key things to keep in mind as you go through this. Yeah, it's way more entertaining as a core consultant um, to to read a whole bunch of different organizations' stories rather than read uh, a take on the core story over and over and over again. So it's it's definitely a um, a, a good thing I think to capture the the true realities of a firm yeah. that's that's working out there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you and you see. Uh, organizations tackling these things in uh, different ways and some of it can be quite creative and uh you know it's, it's a pleasure to see that it's a, yeah it's an absolute joy um so the handbook is definitely a key resource uh it's not optional in terms of the resources there it's definitely a must read uh because it does contain all those different um expectations for for submission and how to access the resources I want to thank Peter for coming out again to talk about this resources and this resource. And, um, you know, do you have one or two words, quick phrase for this one? Yeah. You're getting started on your audit. Make sure to go to the website and get the most current version. But then also make sure that you are, you know, peruse, go through it. And uh, just you're doing an audit once a year. Window shop. Yeah. Yeah. It's there can be a lot of information, a lot of things forgotten over a year's time. Uh, I know that happens to me for sure if I'm only doing something once a year. Go through it and make sure you're, you're hitting the requirements, right? Absolutely. Thanks, Peter. Great. Thank you, Mark. IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.